Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. Yeah, so uh, we're back at it again, and uh, this time Ostara 102. So if you missed the last one, we did a previous Ostara, probably around this time last year would be my guess. And uh, so this is the second half of that. Who the fuck is Ostara? Well, uh, Ostara isn't a who, but it's really more of a what. So the Ostara festival is held on the vernal or the spring equinox, which is the beginning of astronomical spring. And um, this year in 2022, in the Northern Hemisphere, that is on March 20th. Gosh, I can't believe that it's already March. Yep, midway through March. <laughs> so uh, on the equinox, day and night are equal. Equal, and each day after that, um, the day gets a little bit longer until the summer solstice. So that's really what we're um, celebrating is spring. And this is the second of three spring festivals. There's a lot of the same themes between Ostara and Imbolc and Beltane, much like there is with the three fall festivals of uh, Lunasa, Mabon, and Samhain. So there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. All right. Uh, if if you are listening to this on your on uh, your podcast network of choice, don't forget to leave us a review. If you are listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, let's let's get right into it. Yeah. So cultures throughout the world have been celebrating this the spring equinox um, for centuries. In fact, the oldest recorded celebration was 4,700 years ago. Um, so it's been a super long time. And that's just recorded. It's most likely that we've been celebrating the spring equinox prior to that. There's just, you know, going back more than 4,000 years, it's a little harder to find stuff stuff to <laughs> prove things. Um, and really, we're looking at a time of spring and we're looking at a time of rebirth. And when spring comes, the world is just waking up from winter. They're seeing that life is returning. And um, it's a joyous moment in most cultures um, that winter is over and that better times are ahead. Uh, so last year in Ostara 101, which is episode eight. If you haven't listened to it, give that a listen. Um, we talked a lot about the goddess Eostra, which this uh, particular festival is named after. Um, we also talked about eggs and rabbits. Uh, and Eostra was a uh, Germanic goddess of spring and fertility. So for those of you that are more heathen leaning than pagan leaning, it's definitely a good episode for you. And yes, you can celebrate Ostara. So this time around, we're going to be talking a lot about rebirth traditions associated with Easter time and Ostara time particularly. So most of us in the Western world are familiar with Easter, Zombie Jesus Day, <laughs> eggs and, and bunnies and stuff like that. But many, many, many cultures throughout the world, uh, rebirth and resurrection and coming back to life are really a big part of sort of spring festivals. So this is not uncommon uh, for other traditions and religions to have some sort of rebirth element. And in particular, um, in many Eastern European cultures, they welcome spring by quite literally killing winter. 
Um, so most of the time they do this by destroying an effigy, either a male or a female that's been decorated, um, to symbolize winter. So, um, this is done either by burning it. This is typically popular in areas where the rivers might still be frozen over or where rivers and lakes are less accessible. Um, but it is also pretty common to see, um, the effigy of winter being drowned. Um, it's often done in places with a lot of rivers or small lakes nearby um, where they're fairly easily accessible and not particularly frozen over. You don't really want to, you know, make a hole in the ice to throw a, a uh, like a puppet in. <laughs> it seems like a lot of work, you know? Um, so the question here is, is this effigy of winter a man or a woman? And that really depends on the area's deity that symbolizes winter. So there's not really winter is always a woman um, or winter is always a man. It just sort of depends on what that local area is used to celebrating and symbolizing it with. Yeah, and um, in particular, one of the um, one of the documentary movies that we really enjoy has shows this, although they don't really go into depth about it. Um, and it is a uh, a documentary on life in Siberia, where they spend all four seasons with it, and it's called Happy People. I'm not sure what it is available to stream on, but it is a fantastic documentary that shows what life in Siberia, in particular the taiga, which is more of like a forested as opposed to a tundra type of an area, uh, is like. And in it, they do show them burning their effigy of winter to welcome spring. Um, but for right now, we're going to talk about the goddess Morana. And there in certain Slavic countries, the goddess Morana is associated with death, rebirth, dreams, and winter. Sometimes she symbolizes a young woman and sometimes she symbolizes an old woman. It's pretty common for the winter deity to be symbolized by an older person, whether that's male or female, um, sort of the crone aspect of things. Um, so Morana is kind of 50, 50, um, male or female. And, um, in these areas where she is worshipped or at least acknowledged, um, especially in modern day, um, people would make dolls or puppets or even life-size figures. And um, typically they're made of straw and they're decorated with white cloth, necklaces, usually made of blown out eggs. So you take the egg, you poke both ends, and then you blow the egg insides out, you dry it, and then you string it up and then you turn that into um, necklaces as well as other scraps of cloth. Uh, and then they would carry her through the town and then they would dip her in every puddle on the way to the local river or the pond. And once there, they would quote unquote drown her to kill winter and welcome spring. In some areas, she was also lit on fire. Um, maybe be probably before <laughs> she was drowned. A lot harder to, to light a totally wet straw doll. <laughs> there. Uh, and then she would usually be sort of picked apart and um, either left in the um, lake or people would take bits of her 
clothing and decoration back as good luck to ward off illness and to bring protection to their home. Um, and it would, this, what's interesting about this particular goddess is she had a dual aspect as well. So in spring and summer, the goddess Morana was actually Kostroma. Uh, and the Kostroma aspect of her was connected to spring and planting and love and fertility. There's actually a really cool story about how she sort of becomes Morana and really kind of illustrates why they drown her. And the TLDR of it is, is she listened to a, her and her brother listened to two different birds singing and one was joy and the other one was sorrow. And um, they sort of got lost and they sort of lost their minds and then didn't realize they were brother and sister later on fell in love. And then the gods were not happy about that. So the gods tortured them and Morana at that time, Kostroma, um, was so distraught that she drowned herself in a lake or a river, depending on where the story is from. So um, they, um, there's definitely sort of dual aspects there. And in an interesting parallel, Kostroma and Morana aren't the only goddesses who are connected to the death and rebirth cycle of the seasons. <laughs> Quite a few. Um, but Persephone is another goddess that's connected to both spring and winter since she spends half the year in the underworld. And um, we actually did a deep dive on Persephone. So if you want to hear more about Persephone and her aspects, um, you can check out our Persephone deep dive, which is episode 23. Um, but uh Persephone, um, she, uh, her, her maiden form, her, her spring form, I guess you could say is called Kore. So you hear Kore and, um, in Lithuania, Morana, also known as Marzana, was also known as More. So, um, that's kind of an interesting, uh, little tidbit there. similarity. Yeah, even though it's, you know, the spring aspect versus the winter aspect, there's a lot of deities in this area of the world, and Persephone is thought to be one of those that is based upon an ancient Proto-Indo-European goddess, and that th this could be sort of the, co the connecting thread between those as you kind of go down through Eastern Europe and curve into Greece and Rome. Uh, and Persephone also has her own spring festival. The Lesser Eleusinian Mysteries, or Anthesphoria, uh, happen in late February or early March. And these this festival marks the ascension of Persephone from the underworld. And as, uh, you know, like secret cults and stuff like that happen, that's sort of the, the mysteries part of it. Um, but there was a public uh, you know, one that had, you know, feasting and flowers and parties and all that other kind of real fun springtime business. And um, also in that Mediterranean area of the world, they celebrated Pelusia, which um, was an ancient Egyptian and sort of grew into being celebrated by the ancient Romans as well. And this festival was held on the spring equinox, typically, and participants would be sprinkled with water to obtain sort of like a rebirth. Uh, and in doing so, that would wipe them clean of any offenses to the gods, and it gave the person immunity from disease. 
so this probably grew out of a festival that was associated with the flooding of the Nile, the river that quite literally brings life to Egypt, uh, as well as this festival being associated with the birth of Horus. And Horus, we will do a deep dive on because there's a ton of stuff to unpack and it's super cool. I even have a Horus tattoo, but that's something. Um, he is the son of Osiris, who is God of the dead and is brought back to life by his wife, Isis, who we did do a deep dive on. So you can learn more about her if you listen to episode 18. Uh, but Isis is considered the mother of all. So we have another interesting parallel there to this sort of rebirth bit. But in addition to that, Horus is a little bit special in that uh, ancient Egyptian pharaohs were sort of thought to be the reincarnation on Earth of Horus or thought to be the direct lineage of Horus himself. So we can see another tie to this spring and this rebirth and this reincarnation and bringing back to life kind of piece of things too. Now, moving northward into the Norse side of things, in mid-April, uh, the ancient Norse celebrated the Day of Victory. And we talked about this a little bit in our modern Odinism episode, which is sort of halfway a deep dive to Odin and halfway talking about what you know, what it's like to be an Odinist or a heathen uh, and, and sort of things there. And we do talk about... Um, the uh, blots, which are uh, essentially the Norse Sabbaths there. And the day of victory was celebrated as a victory of summer over winter. The ancient Norse really only celebrated two seasons, summer and winter. Um, they didn't really celebrate spring or fall because they're sort of both. So they just sort of drew a line down the middle. Um, and not only was the day of victory celebrated as a victory over winter, but it was also a day to ask Odin for victory in upcoming battles. Uh, and typically battles took place during the summer as well. So it's kind of timely. Um, and the festival itself isn't about death and rebirth, but the deity that they are honoring is. Odin is, among many other things, the god of death and transformation. And uh, he himself is born after um, hang on Yggdrasil, right? Yep. Yeah, reborn after being hung on on Yggdrasil because uh, he sacrificed himself to himself to discover the runes. Exactly. So we see more of these parallels with reincarnation and death and rebirth. And all of these deities are at least in some way associated with the changing of the seasons and the come and either the leaving of the wintertime because they're sort of wintertime deities or because they are associated with the coming of spring because they are sort of rebirth deities. Um, and for me in particular, spring always feels like a new year uh, because my birth they happens to be right around Beltane. So I often uh, sort of meditate on my current situation and decide if any changes, you know, I want to have in my life. So this is also a great time to think about any changes you want to have in your life as the world is sort of having its own personal new year. I mean, most of us in uh, in the world nowadays celebrate New Year in on January 1st, um, still sort of in the throes of winter. But um, there's there's no reason why you can't also use the coming of spring as sort of a new year. So if you're looking to perhaps renew a resolution uh, or something along those lines, I know that I've uh, maybe not quite kept up on the things <laughs> I was going to do as New Year's resolutions. Now is a great time to sort of recharge that. 
Yeah. So um, let's talk about Ostara and uh, some ways to celebrate. So um, eggs is a huge one. So you can paint eggs, you can dye them, you can decorate them in any way, shape or form you want. Uh, and we actually give a spell for painted protection eggs in our Ostara episode, Ostara 101. That's episode eight. So you can definitely check that out. Um, I know growing up, we would always dye eggs with like the vinegar and and food coloring dye situation. And we would usually use crayons and sometimes acrylic paints. And one year we used wax, which was super cool. Um, so any sort of painted eggs are definitely a great thing to um, incorporate into your Ostara uh, side of things. And um, you can also, of course, eat those eggs <laughs> because why not? Uh, because if you're going to decorate them. You're going to have to get the inner part of the egg out somehow. Uh, and also in the Ostara 101 episode, we have an egg drop divination soup kitchen witch spell, um, which is sort of spell plus recipe at the same time to um, sort of, you know, look and see what's, uh, what's ahead for the year. And it's tasty. And if you are in a place that's still kind of cold and gloomy and rainy, it's a great recipe to sort of warm up and um, just get cozy. And what to do when you've painted the eggs, um, hang them on a tree or around in your home. Uh, I really like the idea of putting them on little strings of ribbon and then um, just hanging them up until, you know, they they go away. We have some hanging from, I think, last year or the year before in our house. Yeah, they're from like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can also use eggs for divination aside from the egg drop soup. It's a pretty common method of divination to take a glass of water and to crack an egg in it. And then essentially what you do is you look at the eggs white and any shapes that are formed by it to sort of determine what um, the outcome of a situation is or what lies in your future. Very similar to the way that tea leaf reading works. Although I think that's kind of a waste of an egg because I think they're tasty, but <laughs> that can certainly be done. Uh, and then the last thing that I really have that you can do with eggs is you can make cascarilla powder. Um, and this is just basically powdered eggshell uh, and you can use it for protection or setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, it also helps to repel negative energy and it cleanses and wards your space. This is a common ingredient in hoodoo and voodoo practices. And contrary to what some people may think, it is not a closed practice to use cascarilla powder. It is something that you can purchase pretty much anywhere from pretty much anyone, um, or you can make it yourself. Um, but if you make it yourself, or even if you're buying it, please don't eat it um, or put it onto your body. There's a lot of spells that are out there that recommend you putting it into your bath water or dusting it on your body. Um, An eggshell is pokey and it's primarily made of calcium. So um, that's sort of pokey both on your outsides and on your insides. So like we always say, practice food safety. <laughs> so there's your first drinking game. 
and then after eggs, really one of the huge themes is flowers. So decorate your home or your altar with flowers. You can use fresh flowers or fake flowers. Uh, there's no gatekeeping here on that. We typically have fresh flowers and fake flowers in our home. Uh, so, you know, whatever you think looks cool. Um, and you can make a flower crown. Uh, and we've got actually a series of videos with the first one coming up soon about making some flower crowns because I finally, during uh, Anthosphoria, got around to making my Persephone flower crown and I love it. Uh, so keep an eye out on our YouTube channel for that. Uh, and seeds are also very common. Um, you know, we talked about seeds a lot at in bulk time. So you now is a great time to plan and or plant your garden. Uh, you know, definitely, you know, you can bless your seeds. You can sort of use them in magical practice. There's a ton of different things that you can do with seeds. Of course, you could eat them too, but <laughs> try and get a little bit of green witch in there and uh, maybe plant something, even if it's just in a very small flower pot. Uh, of course, food is always huge here. So you can enjoy seasonal foods like asparagus or green onions, dandelion greens, sprouts, Easter candy, I think counts as a seasonal food um, because those are great ways to honor the season. And particularly if you want to have a little bit of a Ostara feast or you want to take advantage of something that's fresh um, and local, you can usually find a lot more fresh things when you eat by the seasons. And if you can, enjoy some time outside. Uh, enjoy the changing of the seasons, uh, have a picnic, maybe a hike, just sort of be out and about and experience the world waking up again. Uh, and you can also look into purchasing or making or decorating a birdhouse or a feeder or something else that can help the animals in your area. Some people like those little um, things with the tubes that they use for bees. You could also get bat houses. Uh, whatever you're doing, make sure that it is safe for the animals that you have in your area and understand how to clean it and maintain it as well. And we also talked about it in bulk. Now is a great time to do some spring cleaning. <laughs> yeah, so um, how, do, how do we celebrate Ostara? We typically celebrate with having some friends over and some feasting. Ostara is sort of a time of welcoming new things and getting rid of old things. So we'll often do sort of a ritual fire where people are invited to burn things that they no longer want or need uh, and sort of bring into themselves new stuff. We also um, do sort of craft days associated with it. That's usually about flower crowns because I'm all about that flower crown life. Uh, but we've also painted eggs and everything else of that kind of nature too. So we'll probably be doing a little bit of that this year too. Yeah, definitely. When you, uh, when you have, when you have people over, we generally find that uh, hosting adult, like hosting parties for other adults and giving them like a project to do um, kind of makes the parties funner. Like standing around and drinking is great and all. I go to bars. I understand that. But, um, like having something to do in so far as like, we're all gonna do 
like garden stuff or, or paint eggs or I mean, like, you know, it's like during uh, Samhain, we carve pumpkins and during the winter we do, you know, uh, other crafts. And so it's like having like a craft party is kind of a nice way for everybody to celebrate and kind of be in the right headspace, you know, put on some like, you know, if you're doing crafting inside the house, like put on some movie that vaguely fits the season or something. Um, you know, and if you're not, then, you know, get like a Bluetooth speaker and just put some music on outside that's like sort of seasonally appropriate and then like gather your supplies and have everybody, you know, like what we do is we generally get like the bulk of the supplies. Like, all right, we're going to hard boil a bunch of eggs and we're going to, you know, because we have chickens and like we're going to do all the, you know, we're going to do like the big stuff. And then like everybody brings some sort of an egg decorating supply, you know, and then when it, when it comes time to decorate eggs, we've got the eggs and the paint and like the basic shit. And then everybody else is bringing like glitter or glue sticks or whatever. Right. I mean, we do like a lot of crafts, so we have a lot of craft supplies. But yeah, just like, you know, just like with the like starting a garden or doing anything like that. Like you like the idea of spring and the idea of this rebirth expressed through like a new creative process or like reviewing your yearly goals or anything like that is just a good opportunity to sort of like reflect and um, like get more centered and prepared for summertime. Yeah, totally, totally. So um, for uh, those of you that want it, our 102 series has been going over simple rituals that you can use. So this is our simple Ostara ritual. So um, you can include any um, standard magical items that you prefer to have in your rituals. But for this one, all that we need for you to have is uh, something to drink and a small snack. We always recommend to have something to drink and a snack for any kind of magical work because it sort of helps the the, um, the fatigue that happens after you do magic. And it's also meant to use partially as an offering. So that can be whatever it is that you want. Um, in addition to that, we recommend doing five small candles. That's one for each point of the pentagram and sort of the activity part of this one. Um, you'll want to have a labyrinth or a maze printed out or like a book that has them or whatever you want to have, uh, as well as a writing instrument for you to use. So you're going to want to start off by casting a circle and clearing your mind. And once you've done that, you'll say, the wheel of the year turns and today I honor spring. The sun has returned, illuminating the path that takes me to my destiny. I move ever forward. Next, you'll go ahead and light the earth candle and say, spirits of earth, support me as I walk my path. Then light the air candle and say, spirits of fire. Oops, nope. <laughs> light the air candle and say, sorry, spirits of air, propel me forward. My mind's going too fast. Light the fire candle after that and say, spirits of fire, light my way. Uh, next, light the water candle and say, spirits of water, calm my mind. And lastly, light the spirit candle and say, spirits of my ancestors, guide me as I walk the path of my destiny. So next, you'll take the printed labyrinth and your writing instrument and say, as the wheel of the year turns, I find balance again. The earth awakens and I can feel the spark of life in the world. It fills me with hope and joy as I move towards my purpose. So 
now you get to reflect on the things that have transpired this winter or just so far in your life as you wind your way through this labyrinth or this maze. Focus on the positive side of this, reflecting how each twist and turn has put you at the place that you're at now and sort of where that's taken you in joyous moments. And when you've finished the labyrinth, say... Through good times and bad, twists and turns, I've come out of the long dark of winter and step into the light of spring. I leave behind my doubts, fear, and I am reborn anew and embrace the endless possibilities that this new season brings. And now you can enjoy your small stack or do any sort of other magical things that you were planning on doing with your ritual. And just be sure to leave behind a sip of your drink and a bite of your snack for the spirits. And once you're ready, you can go ahead and thank them and extinguish the candles. Keep this labyrinth as a reminder of how far you've come. So that is a nice and simple Ostara ritual for you all. Um, you can have a ton of fun trying to find a maze, but I do recommend that you find a maze that's easy enough for you to do without getting frustrated. The point of this is not to complete a very difficult or very you know fancy maze, but is more of a um, sort of meditation associated with drawing or doing another type of a, um, activity. And with that, we've got correspondences. So um, both this spell as well as some notes and these correspondences are actually going to be in our um, Book of Shadows page. Um, so that will have the full list of correspondences, but I'm gonna hit you with the highlights. So for animals, associated with Ostara, we're looking at bees and birds and rabbits and really any baby animal. For colors, green, pink, silver, and any pastel. And for stones, we're looking at amethyst, aventurine, and rose quartz. Plants associated with Ostara are birch, clover, daffodil, lily, a moss of any type, and sorrel, willow, or any flowering tree. For foods, asparagus, breads, chocolate, anything that's dairy, anything that's eggs, lemonade, because of its bright, fun, crisp flavor, and also the color, uh, mead, seeds, and any other seasonal foods or drinks that you particularly like. Deities um, that are associated with uh, Ostara are Brigid, Demeter, Eos, Eostre, Freya, Green Man, Horus, Idun, Kostroma, and Persephone. And for miscellaneous type of things, you can also use baskets or images of phoenix, merfolk, and fairies to celebrate and honor Ostara. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, that was, first of all, that was Ostara 102. It's a quick one this time around. But uh, packed with information nonetheless. Yeah. Next up is uh, the next... Episode of the podcast coming out next week is the Horn and Cauldron pub chat. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. And then after that, 
Uh, episode 35 of the podcast, which comes out on the 28th, is going to be a deep dive into Dionysus, which is a request of one of our patrons. That's right. Yeah. So speaking of patrons, shout out to them, Alan, Miranda, Helena, Alexa, Jeffrey, and Adrian. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being patrons. And uh, stay tuned for that Book of Shadows page. If you're interested in those Book of Shadows page, you can check out our Patreon. We have a Horn and Cauldron podcast here. Uh, where you get access to all of the Book of Shadows pages, as well as occasionally, like, um, cell phone backgrounds and things like that that I design, um, as well as you gain access to a uh, chat that we have where you can ask us questions and uh, talk to us, and we talk about witchy things and, and just kind of chit-chat in there. Uh, if you want to reach out to either of us, we have social media. I'm at NerdJive everywhere, and she's at Goddess Jewels. So you can reach out to us there if you do have any uh, witchy, witchy questions of that ilk. We also have a uh, an Etsy shop, so you can check that out. It's Norgrove Enterprises on Etsy. All of these links will be uh, on our website, nerdjive.com. And uh, yeah, either way, I've been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been The Horn. And Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical, folks. Yeah. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt. Mm-hmm.